One of my favorite quotes um, is, uh, forgiveness is a virtue of the strong. I've always liked that. I've always thought that was a very powerful concept to think about with forgiveness. How forgiveness is a virtue of the strong or a thing that only the strong can do. Um, Forgiveness is an interesting thing. Forgiveness is an interesting concept. It's it's an interesting experience. It's interesting to offer forgiveness. Maybe perhaps the only thing harder than forgiving somebody um, is hearing the words of forgiveness given to you. Uh, You know, if you've ever truly wronged someone and had them place their hands upon your shoulders and look you straight in the face and say, I forgive you, that's quite a, almost an unsettling feeling to be truly forgiven. There's a great quote I like by um, Brendan Manning in his book, The Ragamuffin Gospel where he said, very few of us actually think we're sinful. So very few of us actually feel like we're forgiven. We live lives of pseudo-guilt and pseudo-bliss, never fully experiencing the grace of Jesus. Forgiveness is an interesting thing. One of the things that's interesting about forgiveness is um, the terms by which forgiveness is given. You may have been there. You know how it is. Sometimes somebody really harms you. And I'm not talking about somebody cutting you off in traffic, you know, which I take as a personal offense, but I'm a terrible driver. But you've had somebody hurt you, haven't you? Or let's go cut deeper. You've had somebody hurt, you've had somebody hurt your kids, haven't you? That's one thing to hurt me. It's another thing to hurt my kids. You know, it's another thing to hurt my family. That, that's, that's, that's the wound that really cuts deep, isn't it? You know, it's when, 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 when someone hurts someone that you love. But so, let's say someone has harmed you or, or hurt you. And they kind of call you out of the blue and say, hey, um, I'm sorry for what I do. I'm sorry for what I've done. Will you forgive me? And sometimes if the wound is really deep, I'm I'm not talking about cutting me off in traffic. I'm talking about a deep wound. I'm talking about one of those wounds that leaves a scar, you know? That's how how wounds work. If you've ever been truly hurt, you'll heal up. But you're going to have a scar. I've got a, I think I'll share with you, I've got a spot on my leg from when I was a kid, a little bitty fella. And I used to watch the, the great theological work, the Dukes of Hazard. My first dog was named, my first two dogs were named Bo and Luke. And I'm not making that up. You might be a redneck if. But I always liked how Bo could slide on the corner of the car. I thought it was pretty cool, so I always tried to do that. One time I was going to try to get a running start and kind of, kind of be acrobatic like Bo and kind of, I was going to, listen to this, y'all, thought this is a good idea. I was going to jump through the, we had a barbed wire fence in our backyard. I was going to jump through it acrobatically. I know looking at me, you think I could definitely do it. Didn't quite make it. And I, I caught my leg on the barbed wire fence. And to this day, I've got a pretty cool scar on the inner part of my leg. 
You know, but it's healed up. It's fine. It's not a big deal. But to this day, if you take your finger and you touch it real hard, it's going to hurt. Man, that's how, that's how deep wounds work, don't they? They heal. The average person might not even see them, but you know it's there. And you know if it gets touched just right, it's going to hurt. So let's say somebody hurts you like that. Somebody willingly, knowingly, purposefully, purposely, willingly, knowingly, purposefully does something that hurts you in that way. They willingly do it. They knowingly do it. They come to you and say, hey, sorry about that. Will you forgive me? Let's go back to being best friends. You good with that? Let's go back to being best friends after they willingly, purposely did that. Let's go back to being best friends. You're probably going to say, well, hold on. We need to talk about what happened. We need to kind of make this right. You know, and if you do that, they may say, well, golly, you aren't being very Christ-like because I've asked forgiveness and you have not forgiven me. Why are you withholding forgiveness from me? See, the way true forgiveness works and the way true healing works is when one person has been really badly wronged or hurt, they're kind of the ones that can say when things are made right. The aggrieved party, the one who has been wounded, kind of has the right to say, hold on, I'm not going to hold this against you. But before we can be best friends again, we got to have a conversation. Before we can be best friends again, we got to get some stuff straight. If you've ever been truly hurt in that way, it takes more than just a, hey, my bad, to make it right, doesn't it? If we're going to be honest, y'all, and by the way, that's kind of healthy. The way relationships are repaired is through honesty. So if you've ever been truly hurt in that way, you know that, that, that as the person who was hurt... There's maybe a conversation or two or three you want to have before you can really, truly experience not just forgiveness, but experience reconciliation. Forgiveness is a hard thing, y'all. <clears throat> As individuals, you know, there's times, there's, there's probably a lot of times in our spiritual life in our life of faith. There's probably some times when we're faced with choices and we don't know what the right thing is. You know, there are a lot of times like that. Decaf or regular. Well, we declare choices regular. But, you know, like there are moments in our life when we, when we have choices that we aren't sure what the Christian path is, when we aren't quite sure what the moral path is. There's not a ton of those, but there, but there are moments. There are moments when we're not quite sure what to do. But y'all, there, there's other moments. There, there's other moments when we know right from wrong. There, there's moments when we know what the Christian path is and what the unchristian path is. There, there, there's moments in our life when we see a, a fork in the road and we know that this path is obedience and this path is sin. There, would we all agree there are those moments? When we have those choices between right and wrong, good and evil, obedience or disobedience. We have those moments. And y'all, let's be honest. There's a lot of moments when we know what is righteousness 
And what is sin? And we choose sin. Yeah, there's some moments we don't know. Sure, there, there's some moments in our life when we aren't quite sure what to do, when we aren't sure what the right path is. There are. There are some moments like that. But y'all, there's going to be a lot of moments in our life when we know that if we say that, that's wrong. We say it anyway. There's moments we know that if I do this, it's wrong. We do it anyway. There's moments when we have a clear call from God to love our neighbor in a powerful way, and out of selfishness, we choose not to. Or maybe, maybe just me. But I'm going to reckon for every person in here, there are moments when we know what the right thing is, and we know what the wrong thing is, and we willingly, knowingly, purposefully choose the wrong thing because it's what we want to do. Because it's what we want to do. We can justify it. We can try to baptize it. We can do whatever we want to do. But at the end of the day, there are moments in our life when we know right from wrong and we choose wrong because we plain want to. And that's sin. That's sin. So this fictional conversation we had earlier about this individual who knowingly, purposely, willingly did something to harm you or to harm your child or to harm your loved one. And then they come back and say, hey, sorry about that, my bad, my, my bad, didn't mean it, my bad, Sorry. And they expect, like that, everything to be made right with you? And how hard that is? <clears throat> how much do you think God feels? When we willingly, knowingly, purposefully, on purpose, choose to violate the heart of the gospel, which is to love God and love neighbor with all of our heart as Christ has loved us. When out of my selfishness and my pride and my ego, my gluttony, my sloth, my whatever, when I willingly, choosingly, purposely choose to go against what God, I know that God's calling me to, and I say to myself, well, God, forgive me. What's the big deal? Because after all, didn't I hear the preacher on Sunday talk about grace? So what's the matter? When my loving heavenly Father has clearly laid upon my heart, hit my heart what he wants from me and what he expects of me, and not just that, what he desires for me because his desires for me are good, his desires for me are life, his desires for me are joy and peace and all the fruit of the Spirit, and out of my pride and selfishness, I choose to do the other. And think about how disruptive that choice is to a human relationship. How, how disruptive is that choice to our walk with our Father? I love what Max Lucado said in one of his books. 
He said the reason why God hates sin so much is because sin destroys his children. And every time, every time you and I, we purposely, willingly, knowingly make that choice to harden our heart against God's call in our life. To quote the great theologian Pink Floyd, it's another brick in the wall. And before we know it, we walled ourselves off from God. We walled ourselves off from each other. We walled ourselves off from the church. We walled ourselves off from God's plan. That's where we find ourselves sometimes, don't we? That's why I love Lent, I think. Y'all know me. Y'all put it while preaching for far too many years, I'm sure. Y'all know I love grace. Y'all know I love for you to leave church on a Sunday with a pep in your step, with hope in your heart because of what God's love can do. You know that. You've probably heard that a lot in my time here, haven't you? But y'all, there's got to come a time when we've got to look at our sin in the face and realize what we have chosen to do and realize what God has chosen to do. Because here's the miracle of the gospel. Not only is God the aggrieved party, the person through whom that has been wounded and wronged. But God's also the person that did the work to make it right. God not not only has been wounded by our sin and harmed by our sin and separated from us by our, by, y'all, let's be honest, by our intentional choices. God has been wounded by our intentional choices that is sin. And God has made the work and the decision to restore us. God is not only the wronged party, but he's the party that fixes it. God is the one hurt by our sin, and God is the one that does the work to restore us from our sin. God is both victim of our sin and healer of our sin at the exact same time. That is the gospel. Is that the, the very God of creation, the very one that Colossians says, you need to read Colossians 1, one of the best chapters of the Bible. The very one through whom all of creation was held together and all things hold together through Christ. The very one who spoke creation into existence. The very God of creation through Jesus Christ died for creation. He came, as the scripture says, he came to his very own, his very own knew him not. He comes to us and we reject him. And he still gives us grace. Tonight we see him on the cross looking at the very ones nailing him to the cross. I don't know about y'all, 
but I'd be about calling down from some fire from heaven. I've told you before, I'm glad my car didn't have lasers because there'd be a lot of cars blowing up on the way to work on a typical morning. I'm all about, uh, Rich Mullins once said, once said one time, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, but I just want to be about the Lord's work. You know, if I'd have been on the cross, I'd have been calling down some fire from heaven. That's one of the many reasons why I would be a terrible God. But Jesus Christ looks at these individuals, nailing him to the cross, and not only does he forgive them, but on that cross they are nailing him to, he's doing the very work to make their forgiveness possible. The very act that they are doing is the very act that will earn their forgiveness on the cross. Not only does God forgive us, but God does the work to make our forgiveness possible. And guys and gals, that's got to flabbergast us. That's got to stupefy us. That should leave us breathless. That the very God, the very God who is offended and pushed aside because of our sin is the very one that does the work that forgives us. I think that's why I love that quote by Manning so much that I quoted earlier. There's another quote I love by C.S. Lewis. Lewis says, No man knows how very evil he is till he has tried very hard to be good. I love that. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes the harder I try at this Christianity business, the worse, the worse I am at it. The more I try to be holy, the meaner I get. I find myself lacking so very often. I don't want to be. I try to do right, but I just do a bad job, I do a bad job at it. This season we're entering, y'all, this Lenten season, it calls us to this understanding. Me, you, even Tim, I don't know, Tim probably not, are sinful. If heaven's not a gift, then I'm not getting in. If God measures my righteousness against my sin, then I'm going to hell. He loves me. He does. He loves you. But we can't earn it. The Bible says my good works are as but filthy rags. It says all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. The, glory of God. the wages of sin are, is death. That's what the Bible says. All I've earned is judgment. That's it. That's all I've earned. And I've got to stop and realize that. Because if I don't, I'm going to get on my high horse. 
and think I'm better than those lost folk out in California or up in New York City or wherever. I mean, think I'm better and I'm a lot more holy those folk that may disagree with me or think a little different than me or maybe even believe a little bit different than me because I've got it figured out because I'm awesome. And boy, God sure got lucky when he got me. First round draft pick, baby. That's what we do to ourselves, y'all. When we get blinded by our own sense of morality. We become the Pharisees saying, Lord, thank you that you did not make me a tax collector. The tax collector sits there beating his breast and says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. If you ever ever thought, God, thank you that I'm not like them, whoever they are. Instead of praying, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, then we should look at our hearts. Because the prayer we should always be praying is, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. An individual who knew right from wrong and chose wrong. I think one of the questions we have to ask ourselves sometimes is this, is do we really believe that Jesus Christ makes a difference in someone's life? I don't know that we do believe that actually sometimes. And here's why. Because if we really believe Jesus makes a difference in someone's life, and I ask yourself, deep in the core of your being, do you really think Jesus makes a difference in someone's life? And if you do, then how can you expect someone who doesn't know Jesus to act like someone who does know Jesus? So what happens is we get, all, we get mad at lost folk for not acting like Christians. When if they don't know Jesus, they're not going to act like Christians. Y'all, I don't, expect lost folks, I don't expect lost folk to act like Christians. I do expect Christians to act like Christians. But if we're not careful, we'll get so mad at lost folk being lost folk that we won't have the grace to love them, which is what Jesus tells us to do. And I know somewhere in the world there's somebody looking at me and thinks I need Jesus. And you know what? They're right. I do. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. Not the preacher, not the deacon, but it's me, O Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. In my life, many times, I knew right from wrong. I chose wrong. Lent calls us to stop and remember that. And then consider what Christ has done to forgive us. There is grace. Praise Jesus. Through Christ we are forgiven. Thank you, Lord, for the grace and mercy of our Savior. But y'all, we have to stop and consider and ponder what he has done so that we have been, can, we can be forgiven. That is Lent. 
And for these 40 days, that is our challenge. To stop, to consider, to reflect, and to thank God for the grace that saves us. And to pray for the grace to make us faithful. By God's grace, may that be our experience this Lent. Let's pray.